Hi everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations. And with me, I have got my old friend, Penelope Valentine, and her very good friend, Marie Doyle. Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Leanne. And so, Penelope, a lot of the women in our network know that you went over to base camp not that long ago, and it's a very interesting story, and I am so grateful to have the opportunity for you to share it, share the lead up and exactly what happened when you were over there. Well, look, it wasn't something that was on my bucket list, but um, Marie Doyle is a very, very dear friend of mine. And after we'd had a a night out, we'd had a few drinks. And while we were having a few drinks, she thought it would be a great idea for us to go to base camp for her 40th. Remind me not to have a few drinks with you guys, (laughs) honestly. I get great ideas after a few drinks, but none quite like that. (laughs) Well, to be honest, we, the girls that she talked to about, we all thought the next day it would all just kind of disappear. But Marie being Marie once she sets her mind to something she just goes for it a hundred percent so within a matter of months um, we were all committed she booked everything she found an incredible guide for us at a company to work with and no one was backing out um but we'll, we'll go into the bit because more. Marie wouldn't let them or <laughs> no <sighs> just you know when Marie Doyle has an idea it's generally a very very good one and we all just love her and trusted her so implicitly that it was a it was an easy yes um, I just thought we thought about all the good times we were going to have in this amazing adventure. I don't think at the beginning we really kind of put too much thought into what we were actually doing and what was going to be required. Um, and absolutely no regrets. And I think each one of us, and I can only speak for myself, but each one of us had different reasons for wanting to do this other than, you know, celebrating Marie's 40th. Um, a, a very, very dear friend of mine was very unwell and had recently died. And, and I had talked to her about this trip with Marie beforehand. And she was like, you have to do this. If I had um, an able body, I would be running up and doing something like this. So trust in your body, have the adventure. You're never going to regret it. So for me, it was something that I was so grateful for Marie to invite me on because it gave me such incredible focus and the ability to kind of prove to myself I could do this and to honour my beautiful friend's wishes to to get to the top of um, base camp. Mm, nice. Absolutely. And look, I think the really the really incredible thing is is that once I actually put this out to all of the girls in my friendship group, everyone just said yes straight away. And it wasn't and you know, I don't think there's a lot of times in life where you can actually put something like this out and everybody says yes. I'm a yes person myself and I love to say yes to life in a, in a lot of different aspects, but when you've got girlfriends around you that can just jump in there with you and really commit to something and put the trust in you to say, yes, let's go on this journey together. It's quite an amazing thing. So, um, you know, and I think the intentions that everybody had before the trek was so important. Yes, it was my birthday and I was turning 40 on the mountain, which was definitely the reason we were all going. Um, But as we started to do our our training treks and as we started to sort of talk about these these things, because, you know, we'd, we'd be doing these training treks that would be sort of three and four hours at a time, the conversations that we've had along those those specific journeys before we even got to the mountain were incredible. And so we sort of started planting the intentions for what it meant for each of us. So it wasn't just about going for my birthday because climbing Everest is no small feat by any means. Um, And so I think actually for everybody, it needed to be bigger than just the idea of going for somebody's birthday and it needed to have everybody emotionally 
originally on board for themselves and what that really meant for them going there. And for Penelope, you know, it was, you know, really attached to her dear friend who passed away. Um, you know, for another girlfriend, it was about um, uh, our girlfriend centre. She actually has had a double hip replacement and could actually used to walk with a walking stick. So wow. for her, it was really about being able to take, you know, her physical journey and be able to prove to herself that she could do it. Um, for me, it was a a milestone journey and how far have I come and how far can I go and I think everybody had very different things attached to it and behind the intention of why we wanted to do it so it was actually more than just going for a birthday um, and I think you to be able to do it in the way that we did it we all had to have that mindset going in yeah for sure so how where, how did you come up with it is it something that you that has been on your bucket list or the champ has just got the <laughs> no, best of you? No, it's not. I, look, I'm from New Zealand. I'm a bit of an adventurer. And I think last year I kind of, I don't know, I, I feel like at the beginning of the year I sort of lost myself a little bit. I felt like I was just at capacity so much with everything I was doing in my everyday life. So actually I just, felt, just, um, just for um, those that don't know you, what do you do? Oh, so I'm in property development. Yep. So I have a business that we've run for 14 years in property development. Yep. I'm also a mum, so I've got three daughters as well. Um, and so, you know, to, to take yourself out of the picture of your everyday life, of running a running a business and having children and all those other things was a really big commitment for us. Um, but I think, you know, I was really at capacity last year and I just was feeling this drawback to call it a midlife crisis I don't know but I was feeling this drawback to the mountains and back to some of those things in my um, my childhood in my home back in New Zealand that just sort of said go out there and do something adventurous and so that was the original the original pull for me and then I don't even know why I went let's just go to Everest I have no idea I'd never even looked at the idea of it before and I went let's go and I thought and then, of course, you know, you read into it more and more and realise how, how full on it actually is. Yeah, absolutely. So how long did you train for before you went? So we started in the February training. Does that sound right, Penelope? February? Yes, it was. It was the beginning of February. Yeah. So we started in February and we went in October. Um, so we had quite a bit of of time leading up to it and the training that we did aside from all of the uh, walks that we would do the training walks and the training hikes which are all sort of around um, you know breaking in your shoes and and getting used to your backpacks and getting used to walking long distances um, you know we all sort of took on our own uh, personal I guess fitness journeys as well and Penelope I would say was probably the fittest out of all of us yeah. um, and she had quite a um, quite a full-on training regime leading up to it but everyone had very different approaches to it 100%. And so October comes talk me through how what happens from the time you get to the airport what does it all look like? Do you want to take that Penelope? <laughs> The excitement that built between with all of us was was palpable. It was really kind of exciting. We, you know, we get on the plane and and we, when we first arrived in Nepal, I think we were 
um, in a false sense of security because the weather was warm and, you know, it was crowded and it was a third world country and it was at night and there was lots of people there and we didn't speak the language. and But we were so excited. It was just this effervescent um, energy that was coming from us. So, um, and then we go into our lovely hotel and it was all a little bit um, like we were going on a holiday. I don't think we actually quite realised what was coming. Um, and we were there for a couple of days and we went and had these beautiful lunches. Um, Marie had a friend from, I think, the consulate there and he took us out to this gorgeous lunch and we had some champagne and, you know, it was all very like we were on a just a normal beautiful Girls trip. Day. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but then when we, we had to go, we caught a helicopter um, over to the, the base of the mountain. And I'm so happy that we did because when we were flying through the mountains on this helicopter, we, we saw these winding hairpin roads going up and down these mountains where the buses normally go. And it was seriously somewhere you do not want to be. I can't remember the stats, but there's, Marie, there's quite a few crashes on those buses going to the bottom of the mountain, aren't there? Oh, yeah. And we certainly we certainly lucked out by taking the helicopter. But I think it's a very unique experience to be in the hustle and bustle of a city like Kathmandu to then just get plucked from there and then dropped at the base of a mountain in the middle of, you know, nowhere. And you're in this tiny little town where, the, you know, it's now cobblestone streets and, you know, it, it's like something out of a movie. I mean, you just, you see the people, the Nepalese people, and they are really just the most beautiful, kind and caring people. But, you know, they look different, they act different, they're wearing different clothes, they, you know, they're cooking yak poo to, to um, you know, that smell of yak poo, I can still smell it now, they're cooking yak poo to, to, as their fuel for burning and, um, and heating their food. Like, it's a different world up there and you literally, you're plucked out of the city and you arrive here in this little town on the side of a mountain and you just start walking and that's it you're on your journey and we literally walked through this cobblestone town and then down the steps and we're on the trail and away we go um and so how many of you were there Five. Five. And, and you had a guide as well, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So we had a, a local guide called Dawa who is actually, and I will speak about him now because he's actually just one of the most incredible people we've ever met and so grateful to have him on our journey with us. He was actually, he's actually summited to the peak of Everest, um, I think it's eight times, he said, and he is also the only survivor from the um, the. Uh, avalanche which happened at Everest oh wow so he has incredible strength and incredible resilience and just it was actually a bit like walking us with a celebrity on that um, trek because everybody knew him um, and knew of his story so he was a remarkable man and definitely a person we were grateful to have on our side and so how long does it take to get to base camp because you think base camp right that's where you go to start your journey yeah but that was your destination right yes and so that was a 10-day hike wow okay and I know there were some issues part of the way how far did you get before it started to become difficult I, I think that when you go from Kathmandu and then you're dropped on the side of this mountain, the temperature drop is is quite noticeable. Mm-hmm. So from the minute you get to the bottom of the mountain, it starts to get quite cold. Um, and then you add on to that the altitude. And obviously the further up we went, the more prevalent the altitude was. Um, and and so what does that, what, for someone who hasn't been in that kind of environment, what did that feel like? 
So it feels like, I think we all kind of felt it very differently, but it feels, it felt like you had restriction in your breath. So you would take a big breath of air, but you'd get like a sip of oxygen. So you constantly felt like for me, um, and I'm asthmatic as well. So I I constantly felt like I wasn't getting a lot of breath. Um, You'd feel headaches, you'd be, you'd feel dehydrated. Um, You know, it was almost like a zombie apocalypse because you have to walk really slowly because you, if you walk too fast, you could you really, really get sick. So everyone's just taking steps. And our guide was like one, two, three, one, two. So that's actually the speed at which you have to go up sensibly right. um, to avoid any altitude sickness. Um, but look, it is, it is a real thing. And I think we all struggled with it, um, with the cold as well. How cold did it get, Marie? I don't recall. What was the cold? Um, there were days where it was minus 14. So we had some really, really freezing cold days. And, you know, the further up we got, the colder it did get. However, we were so fortunate in that we had these incredible clear blue skies and, you know, the mountains and everything were just so stunning. I mean, we'd just be walking and we'd turn around and we'd all just burst into tears at just the grandeur and the magnificence of just these these mountains. But it was freezing at night. It was it was freezing, and we had one day where it actually started snowing as we were walking. And where did you sleep? So we um, we slept in what they call tea houses, um, but up until Namchi, which is about halfway up the trek, we actually stayed in quite luxury accommodation. Um, so we had these gorgeous lodges and we'd sort of, you know, we'd been walking all day and we'd get there and there'd be these beautiful girls that worked at the tea house and they'd come and give us our little slippers and we'd take our boots off and we'd have a hot cup of tea there and we're all just sharing rooms. So, um, you know, it was sort of like two per room and they had electric blankets down there. So we were like really like living this like luxury mountain life. Once we got past there, it all changed. And I mean, we had taken our own sleeping bags. So this is when we had to start using our sleeping bags. So we would turn up and the first one we stayed in after leaving Namchi, the first tea house, had a bathroom in the room. We were like, this is great. Okay, we've got our bathroom in the room. We've got our sleeping bag. The next one we went to was bathroom was outside of the room. Oh. And then it just progressively got worse and worse and worse until we were like literally going to the bathroom in a hole in the floor. Oh. And it was, it was just like some sort of, you know, waking up in a in a chainsaw massacre movie or something like it was just hideous <laughs> hideous it was really bad and everything oh, was wow. really bad. <laughs> although you'd be slipping in ice and and people have been, been going to the toilet and you had to actually get water out of a big bucket leanne and try and wash it away and replicate what a toilet would do but the water would be frozen so you'd be trying to chip oh. away a little bit of water and your hands are frozen and you oh it was it was like it was nothing I could ever have envisaged. We were very prepared for COVID though let me say because we used hand sanitizer everywhere we went <laughs> we were like we're so versed in this COVID thing um I mean I mean we'd be walking and there, there would be you know sometimes hours between towns because each day we would do between sort of six and nine hours walking a day and there are a lot of times where you know you're eating you're eating dal you're eating lentils up on the mountain and when you've got to go you've got to go yeah and so you know there's there's a few times where you've got to go off track and just you know go, go and do whatever you've got to do but it was quite funny I mean we, we lived for our hand sanitizer and we lived for the moments where one of us had to you know go and do a number two in front of everyone <laughs> it was always quite funny <laughs> very oh, it sounds fantastic <laughs> sign me up 
<laughs> well, look, you know what? There was definitely some vulnerability there, but I think by the end of it, Penelope, I have to say, was a person who never talked about poo ever. And by the end of it, we were all going to the bathroom in front of each other. We are all, you know, very open in front of each other of all those things because you just have to leave your inhibitions at the door. When you're doing a trek like this with a group of people, your vulnerability is so important because you need to know what every person is going through. You know, like our guide would sit down with us in the morning as we're having our breakfast in the tea house and we'd all be rugged up and ready to go and he would want to know who's eaten this morning have you taken any vacation have you been to the bathroom like it is so vitally important up there those small things that we take for granted um, at normal sea level up there it's a different story you know you need to be so on top of how much water you've drunk that day you know what clothing are you wearing how many layers do you have on like these things are all just so front of mind every single day. And it's those basic things that we had to talk through with our guide, whether we wanted to or not, every day. And Penelope got unwell up there. Day, What day was that? How long had you been trekking? It was the second last night. So second last night. And we'd arrived at our accommodation and I had got there first with another lady, Shona, and I I kind of looked at it and it looked like something out of Prisoner Cell Block H. Like it was so sparse and freezing. Um, And I just turned, when the girls all came in, I said, listen, just lower your expectations and and lower them again. And um, anyway, when, when we were there, I started to get a headache and a headache is one of the the first signs of dehydration. And, and the problem with it was so cold. It was so hard to just keep drinking frozen water. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember we were all kind of sitting in the, there was a communal area where they have like a, a, a fire in there where you can go and get some food. And we were sitting in there. And I remember just saying to the girls, I do not feel well. And I, I went and had a sleep and I came back and, and they then said to me that my face was going purple. And I just, then I just started convulsing uh, and they were all kind of looking at me. I don't know if they knew what had happened because it seemed to have come on so quickly Mm. Um, and that's that's the altitude sickness taking effect Um, so our guide who Maria has spoken about was incredibly um, well versed with um, altitude sickness and he knew what he had to do and because it was at night um, he knew that he had to keep me awake or monitor my sleeping because the biggest risk with altitude sickness is if you go to sleep with it because people just don't wake up wow I was was so fortunate that the one of the girls that Shona um, who stayed with me that night she monitored me the whole way through the night and the guy kept coming in I don't actually recall Maria will probably give you a better um, rendition of what happened but I, I did obviously get off the mountain the next day and they got home and when the helicopter man came to check on me the next day he'd come and he just brought down a 34 year old English woman who had died and she had three kids she was younger than me and she had gone to sleep without she sickness so it it's oh, very wow. it is a thing and you know I think as much as we were aware in the back of our minds we never thought it would happen to any of us I definitely did and I probably charged ahead too many times um, but I think given the quick thinking of our guide um, and Marie and the other girls and what they did for me that night and just kind of it must have been horrific for them more so for me um, but that that's why I was able to live through that well, it must have been terrifying, Marie. Mm, oh, look, it was definitely definitely one of the most frightening experiences of my life. Um, you know, seeing Penelope walk into dinner that night and she she looked like um, the girl from Willy Wonka with these purple cheeks and she wow. was so bloated in her face and her eyes, you could hardly see her eyes and... 
she was just shivering uncontrollably and I just remember getting her onto her bed and sort of laying with her and just trying to really calm her, trying to get her into a piece where she could start focusing on her breathing and, um, and just really really calming down and once she got to that place um Shona stayed with her overnight and she was literally you know we were watching the oxygen meter overnight and it got really low like it got and we were very very frightened but we knew you know staying calm for us would mean staying calm for her Mm. Um, and it was and it was really really important and she did get through the night and you know she got on a helicopter the next day and went down now that is a decision that we all made before we even got on the mountain. So that was a call that we had spoken about um, before we even left to go to Nepal. You know, if something happens, what do we do? Um, And we all agreed that we would carry on and we would, that person would go down the mountain and we would reconnect with them afterwards. And I think having that um, set up beforehand and having those conversations beforehand and really planning that out um, made it made everybody feel more at ease with the decisions that um, that we had made the decisions that Dawa had made um, and then Penelope obviously obviously going down but it was certainly certainly one of the most frightening experiences of, of my life and you know I'm just so grateful for everything that happened that night and you know there were there were a few interesting things that also happened that night um and you know I will share this because it was actually quite incredible was there was this actually this um this guy who was what nationality was he Penelope yeah Indian he was an Indian man who was a um a healer and he he came up to me in the tea house and he'd seen Penelope's face and seen her go back to the room and he came back about two and a half hours later to me and he said, I just want to let you know I'm a distance healer um, and I've been healing your friend. And he said, I'm going to heal her all night and I just want, wanted to let you know that. And I'm a big believer in that, so I've welled up and just thought this is the most incredible thing. Well, the next day his friend came to us and the next day was the day that we actually summited to Everest Base Camp where we actually went up and we saw his friend um, and we said, uh, where is Vikram? That was his name, Vikram. We said, where is Vikram? And he said, well, he's he's actually quite sick. Um, and so we truly believe that he took on Penelope's energy to heal her through the night and actually bring her through the other side. So it is really that easy to pass away from, the, yeah. from this at, at that level. And Penelope's oxygen levels were down at 62. So and we normally run at 98. So it's actually a miracle. And I truly believe the quick thinking, but also there was a bit of divine intervention that happened on that mountain that night. And that's for sure. Wow, that's amazing. And so did you have to walk all the way back? No. So we actually um, were always walking the whole way up. Yeah. And then we were always um, walking part way back down to um, to the last camp that we walked from, and then we were helicoptering down, which I have to say was just so spectacular because to spend twenty five minutes flying over the 10 days of what you've just walked and you see these suspension bridges over these gorges and these cliffs that you've climbed and entire mountains that you've traversed and just, you know, massive amounts of land that you've walked over was just incredible. And I don't know whether you got to see much of that, Penelope, on your helicopter ride down, but, I mean, for us it was just amazing. Did you, Penelope, do you remember the trip 
down? Not the first leg. Um, when I actually got to the hospital, they couldn't even get a vein because I was so dehydrated. Um, yeah. Just, I, I don't recall much of that at all, but the, the girls kind of, you know, would recant with how beautiful it was and there's amazing photos and Marie's taken videos and our other girlfriend, Andrea, had a um, GoPro. So I, I got a sense of it. I was just so happy to be alive (laughs) that that was that was the most yeah incredible experience to come out the other end and and to hear these stories of these poor souls that didn't make it didn't you were in the same situation as me you know you really I I feel so blessed oh I can't even imagine so how long were you in hospital Um, I was in hospital for two days and then I was released and I got sick again so Marie and I had to go back and Marie navigated the the Nepalese medical system like with just like with an absolute expert and we had to have a um I think we had to have a CT scan um I, I don't even recall what we had to do but everything was okay I just we had to make sure why did I get sick again because sometimes you'll get swelling in the brain right um but so I think it was three days in total and then we were released from hospital and literally had to get in a, a car and leg it to the airport to try and catch our plane out of there wow so you were okay to fly that soon afterwards Yes, like we had to wait for clearance and then yep. I got, but no one, as we said, no one says no to Marie. So when Marie, you're <laughs> <laughs> definitely someone you want on your team. Oh, yeah, sounds like it. it sounds like I think that part, that part of it, being back in um, Kathmandu and reuniting with Penelope and I just remember walking into the hotel room and seeing her when she'd just been discharged from hospital and we just hugged so hard like that hug I will never forget that hug and the tears and just you know the gratitude for everything that she that she had made it like it was just it was unbelievable but the, look we were very lucky everybody in the healthcare system there did a fantastic job. Mm. so Penelope do you regret going absolutely not why I I think I proved something to myself that I didn't think I could do um you know I was I was really scared and I just I always had faith that I would get through that and I'm I'm so proud that of the relationships with these other five women which will be rock solid I mean Mm. we we talked about everything from gluten-free recipes to, to marketing and growing, you know, your business and pivoting when you need to. It was, it was a remarkable journey and as, as badly as it could have gone, it didn't. And I'm so proud of the fact that we all pulled together and we accomplished something that was amazing. It, it really was. And I'll never forget that experience so no no regrets yeah it does um it does sound like an incredible experience but um cell block h and the um <laughs> freezing weather it's, it's just not going to be my go i don't think i can imagine definitely no skiing trips in your um in your future you want to be on the beach for a while to get over it right <laughs> we're still that. trying to get to a beach they're still trying to get to a beach. I mean, we sort of came back and it was kind of warm and then we had the fires and then we had everything else and it's, you know, just starting to get cold again. I'm still waiting for that tropical vacation where somebody just brings me a cocktail. Hasn't I, happened yet. I booked a trip to Port Douglas just last night, so um, I'm banking on the borders being open um, for uh, for the first week in August, so I'm out of here. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that incredible story. I think we need to make a movie out of it, actually. It's just (laughs) awesome. That's great. 
Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So I, um, yeah, I just couldn't believe it when I was seeing it, seeing it unfold on Facebook, and to just hear you tell the story again now, Penelope, it's just incredible. You are so, so lucky and right to be grateful for everybody that was around you that night. I am. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much, ladies. I'll talk to you both soon. Thanks, Leanne. Bye. Thanks, Leanne. Bye.